Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got our last mailbag until week one of the NFL season, until game week. Uh, last podcast before we know what ends up happening with Saquon Barkley. So we're going to talk about that a little bit at the top. Justin, how are you? Hey, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, excited to uh, talk some New York football Giants. Excited to kind of maybe give some final Saquon takes or at least some final, like, Hey, this situation has been kind of crazy, and a lot of it is kind of based on the media doesn't know what the F is going on and all that kind of stuff. And mailbags are always kind of my favorite episodes, too, because, uh, you know, we get to talk about what the people want to talk about. So let's do it. Yeah, first, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Uh, Joshua Shimkus, who sent out a nice tweet about us today, and Matt uh, uh, Douche. Douche. It's D E U T S C H. How do I pronounce mm. that? Dush. Douche. Douche. Anyways, Justin, who are these people? Douche. I need to get one for the toilet. Um, Patreon.com slash talking giants. Two dollars a month plus a month this year. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. We are recording on a what day is today? Thursday. Thursday, Thursday afternoon. And the club is like bumping right now. Got over 20 people in the Patreon chat. Probably like on their way home from work or just waiting to get out of work. And chat's hype right now for camp and chaps hype. I guess Saquon Barkley, you know, that's a talking point right now too. So patreon.com slash talk of giants. Join the best community of Giants fans out there. Matt is in the chat and he says Deutsch. All right, we got it. Deutsch. Deutsch. All right, let's talk about Saquon Barkley before we get into the mailbag. Finally, we have reports of guaranteed money. But guess what? Dun, dun, dun. We got conflicting reports. Now, I tend to believe Ryan Dunleavy, but it could be both. Ryan Dunleavy reported that the most guaranteed money that Saquon Barkley has been offered or is being offered currently is $19.5 million. While Mike, while Mike Florio went on Rich Eisen's show and said it was $26 million guaranteed. Now, Florio's on radio, said, I heard. So I, I kind of tend to believe Dunleavy, and Dunleavy's been pretty damn good about you know getting things right. Now, there could it could both be true. Or not, um, where Florio's, you know, reported again that the offer was pulled at at the trade deadline or the the franchise tag deadline. So maybe that twenty six million dollars guaranteed could have been in there. But f- we've been saying leak leak out the fully guaranteed money. It's going to help you, Saquon Barkley, unless it's bad. To where, like, I remember we were going through, like, I, like I even tweeted out. I was like, my made-up theory is, like, that the guaranteed money is not bad because why wouldn't it be leaked out? So it's finally been leaked out. Nineteen and a half million dollars is not a good deal for Saquon Barkley fully guaranteed unless Justin unless that is virtually guaranteed which virtually guaranteed it could be 26 million dollars but he needs to be on the roster on March 3rd next season right and the only reason that wouldn't happen is if Saquon were to tear his ACL or something so to me if, if that number doesn't get up to at bare minimum 22 mil um we're heading towards a franchise tag, right? Well, yeah, Sa- Saquon Barkley shouldn't accept anything less than $22 million unless he really just wants the two-year security. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, though. He's passing up on money. Because, yeah, it's more guaranteed. It's, it's $10.1 guaranteed million, but, I mean, 
there's I just don't see a deal happening where it's not essentially guaranteeing for the most part twenty six million dollars through two years. Right, right. It has to be more than twenty two over the next two. I mean that that's the bottom line, what I think he would have to accept. Now something that's noteworthy. If Saquon signs a contract, ninety eight percent chance he'll be getting twenty six million dollars over the first two seasons. Even yeah. if it's the bad guaranteed number. Again, like the two percent chances or whatever, it's like he tears his ACL and they cut him after year one. Now something to keep in mind also with this whole Saquon Barkley thing. Um, Barkley added Ed Perry to his contract representation yes. team. CAA. Uh, so he's so Ed Perry was with CEA, CAA, and it's not uncommon for two agents to be working on contract negotiations. What's uncommon is that both eight that the, that both agents are from two different agencies. So there's Kim Mail. How do you say her name? Meal. Meal. Rock, Rock Nation. Rock Nation, and then Perry with CAA. CAA was like the marketing representing representing agency for Barkley, and then Rock Nation has always been like the contract negotiation stuff. Well, they're now kind of combining, and it's interesting to hear that you know we now have that NFLPA you know little release that Saquon Barkley is adding Ed Perry with CAA to the contract negotiation side of things. And then lo and behold, Ryan Dunlavy, who was on it with the whole Daniel Jones thing, Daniel Jones for a portion of the contract negotiations before splitting with CAA was the representing agency of Jones. So that's why I think the timing of Ryan Dunlavy coming out with his report is pretty interesting. I think those two things are inevitably tied together. Um, and then also, you know, so you can have that and maybe say, oh, but Ryan, maybe maybe the CAA and Perry and Ryan Dunleavy, maybe they're leaking information that makes the Giants look bad for Saquon Barkley, to, to get the fans back on the side of Saquon Barkley. That's a side of it, but also you have the side of, remember License Plate Guy and Research, Research Rick remind us, reminded us of this. License Plate Guy kind of came on the show and indicated that Joe Shane was kind of a, a little offended and the Giants were maybe a little offended that they declined their midseason offer that they gave Saquon and that if the tag was going to, and we also heard that if the tag was going to be on the table and if they gave the tag to Saquon Barkley, the Giants, that they were going to take all those other offers off the table. So there's a lot of things kind of at play here and, you know, what's true, what's not true. I guess that those are like my thoughts right now. Let me get your reaction to that. I want to know how long CA has been working it because it was just reported, but I think mid-June. Yeah, mid mid-June is when they came along. And CAA, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they're the, just like the biggest agencies. Like every single athlete, like that I know that is represented by an agency. It's like you see the Drew Rosenhaus who has like a small amount but does the best for them or CAA. CAA, like basketball, media, like everyone. There's people in our company represented by CAA. That guaranteed number that Ryan Dunleavy came out made me happy. Because, I mean, I think Joe Shane wants him to play on the frame. Like, here's the thing. Why would the only, if you were just looking at this from like a non-personal, just business move, why would anyone not want Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag? You should. Yes. Like that is the best option for the New York Giants. He's and and then Diana Rossini, you know, reported that he might miss games and that was he's like He's not going to. Yeah, he's not missing games. Like that's not going to happen. One, he's throwing away money and two, Saquon Barkley has pretty much shown that, he, that that's not going to happen. Um so again, I now I still do think this gets done because it's just whatever they're offering him is going to be more money than He's going to get by two franchise tags. Uh, it just is. Again, and, and 
he's going to get $13 million this year. Right? Like, it's it's not, you know. And then, so, like, if he... Is so it if not he 10? Ta- no, for the franchise tag. I'm saying if he signs a contract. Oh, oh, if you, oh, I, I thought you were saying he's going to get thirteen million this year with the front. No, you get ten with the franchise tag. Yeah, but I'm saying he's just gonna he's going to make more money by signing a contract, even if it's a shitty contract. He's gonna get make more. So that's why at the end of the day, I do think a deal gets done. But these numbers tell me that Joe Shane is hoping that he plays on All the right, franchise let me, tag. Let me ask a clarifying question with the Ryan Dunleavy, because now that I'm just thinking of it, was that. Is the $19 million guaranteed, according to Ryan Dunleavy, is that the contract that's on the table right now, or was that the contract that was on the table previously? That's where I said with, like, maybe Florio and Dunleavy are right, where the the one before offered $26 million guaranteed, and then they, they changed it. Let me look at the Ryan Dunleavy tweet to make sure. I don't think it clarified. I'm pretty sure it didn't clarify it. Um, Let's see. The best offer so far. So th- that would... What? That, that would mean that that's that much. But again, know. that could be not fully. That could be virtually guaranteed or fully guaranteed, and then the virtually guaranteed is twenty six million dollars. You know, then and it just goes that extra seven million dollars goes into effect on March first of two thousand twenty four if he's still on the roster. And the only way that that wouldn't happen is if he tears his ACL and MCL and has like a really really bad injury like he could sprain his ankle and miss five games they're not going to cut him after that but saquon barkley can sprain his ankle miss five six games this year with the franchise tag and then they don't pick it up exactly so that's why i think a deal gets done because in the day he's going to make more money by signing a contract even if it's slightly even if it's just slightly a little bit more than the franchise tag i mean it's been reported 13 million a year so that's that's where I'm expecting that number to be. I don't know about guarantees, but I'm expecting the average annual value to be around 13 mil. So I think it's not going to happen until, you know, afternoon, like the deadline's four o'clock Monday. I don't think it's going to happen between, it's going to happen between noon and four that day, but I do think it happens. And that's why, where it's like Saquon's agents have royally screwed up. Maybe, maybe, but their plan all along could have been. We're going to push this to the deadline and get the best deal possible, right? Um, and we'll see what happens. But if he plays on the tag, they yes, they very much screwed this up. Yeah. And and the best deal possible for Saquon Barkley is still not a good deal for Saquon Barkley because that's just kind of the reality of the NFL right now. Yeah, it's the reality of, you know, the franchise. The franchise tag is kind of evil, um, but it's never going to go away because it. whenever the CBA comes up, 95% of players never even have to think about that. Um, so, yeah. that I mean, it's the franchise tag that screws him because he's not like able to go out there and, and negotiate. He can negotiate, but it'd be a trade, and well, that's not going to happen. Um, All right, so your final prediction is a deal gets done mm-hmm. last minute. Yes. And it's, and slight, it's not and, because Craig Carton and Boomer Sison. That's another thing. Stop stop quoting me, uh, radio guys, please. For the love of God, do not quote. Remember Boomer Osison, and I like Boomer Osison, but remember Boomer said mid like in season, Daniel Jones' deal is done. They're just figuring out the years they're going to put on it. Yeah, well, he fired his fucking agent after that, <laughs> so I don't think it was that done. The Jones and Saquon complex and all this is interesting too, because yeah, you you know you have these two guys that have played with each other. They're close. Um, one has been a 
better player than the other, but the other plays a more important position. Then you have Saquon going with the old agency that Jones fired. This is all just a very, from an outsider's perspective who really wants to be a fly on the wall on some of these conversations, this has been a very, very interesting two processes this offseason of how these guys are, you know, inevitably, you know, their, their journey to putting on a Giants helmet come this September. Yeah, I mean, it's just, Saquon has no leverage because he plays the running back position because of his injury history and because of the franchise tag. And that's the that's the reality of it. Like, the reason why the franchise tag is so much more deadly to guys like Saquon than any other player who would get that on the team is that it just, ben- like, it doesn't benefit the Giants more to franchise tag Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, Xavier McKinney, fill in the blank more than it does to get a deal done. Where with Saquon, it's better on paper just the franchise tag. You're literally paying him less with less uh, uh, risk. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Besides the the emotions, the relationships of a player at a locker room, that type of stuff. That's the only reason. There's nothing like if you just were like an emotionless computer that would say, don't franchise tag All right. Look, I, I didn't give my final prediction. The closer it gets to the deadline, the more I actually think a, a, a like a three year a three year deal with two million with you know with, or excuse me a, a three year deal with two years of it basically guaranteed is almost better for the Giants. Not almost. It it, it makes the most sense for the Giants. I think they hold strong, and I think they franchise tag him. So you don't think he signs the contract? No, I don't think he. I don't think he signs an extension. I. I think that they yeah, keep. They keep the tag. They keep the tag on him, and then he'll eventually show up and sign it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's gonna miss camp, and don't, and don't, fans do not be mad at Saquon Barkley if he misses camp. Well, they're be going mad to. at like if anything, you should be mad at the Giants organization. Now, I don't think you should be mad at either, but that this is this is the part of, like where it's like these guys only have a certain amount of time to make their money. Uh, and I'll never fault guys for that. For the be most mad part. at uh, be mad at Dave Gettleman because the writing has been on the wall for this to happen since April whatever of 2018. Word up, be mad at Dave Gettleman. Yep. All right, uh, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on, Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Let's get into the mail. The first question is coming from Mr. Understooder94. Now that Gerard Davis is out for a long period of time, who would be ideal targets for the Giants to sign, or would they stay put and go with their current linebacker group? So Jared Davis out long term. We don't know exactly what. It seems to be a knee injury. Leg or something, yeah. Yeah, like he's so he started um OTAs with the first team and then was missing with an injury. So assumedly that happened sometime between then, had the surgery, Pat Leonard reported. So he's out for a while. And it just makes a very weak inside linebacker two battle weaker, right? Um Jared Davis is probably was not probably he was the best like athlete, you know human being to play linebacker out of that group 
the question was, could Darian Beavers be better? Could Micah McFadden grow? Um, so I don't know if they go out and sign someone, but I'm not in a rush because you have Bobby O'Karake. Because having that starting linebacker and now some depth at D-line makes that inside linebacker two a lot easier position to play. It just It's just the way it goes. And inside linebacker one being good makes inside linebacker two so, uh, a lot better. Um, so I would like for Beavers or McFadden to do that. And by the way, we had our closest Camp Battles poll ever on Instagram between Beavers and McFadden. Uh, so excited for Camp Battles poll. But I mean, look at like the guys that have been signed linebackers like you know, vets like Jalen Smith suck. Bernardrick McKinney. I mean, he barely even played Austin Calitro, Todd Davis. He retired after a week. Um, so there's like, you know, there's Quan Alexander's miles, Jack's Dion Jones names out there. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how good those guys are anymore at their career. Um, but so yeah, you could bring one of those guys in, but I, I I'm hoping that Beavers or McFadden would be better than, than those two, whoever they brought in. Even like a John Bostick has been put on IR the last two years, and he was good. You know, even just dating back to like 2020, he was a good player, and then he's put on IR the last two years. Uh, if you're if you're an interior linebacker that's on the street at this point, uh, odds are you're not going to be a a major upgrade to the Giants' interior linebacker room. Because something that does give me at least a little bit of solace, the Giants are not the only team in the NFL that are struggling for linebacker depth. Um, it doesn't make the issue any better, but at least gives me a little solace knowing that the Giants aren't the only one with this very kind of unique problem. You know, we knew, you know, we know, you know, you can look at data last year about how running the ball was kind of back and the efficiency of even running the ball was back. And I think linebacker play is kind of going down. The more that you're getting like these pseudo safeties trying to come in here and play linebacker, that's meant for, you know, like the Jack Campbells of the world, so to speak. So yeah, man. I think they do need to make some sort of move before camp, though. Yeah, I th- I think you should try and bring in a vet on the minimum, right? But I don't think it's like this hero thing. No. Where, oh, now now we're now we're fine. Like I- I'm hoping that maybe like, hey, remember we gave them credit for you know finding Fabian Moreau and finding Isaiah Hodgins last year and finding all these guys that start and play if they have to. Hey, let's go pro personnel department. Let's start looking at that tape. Let's start looking at guy, the interior linebackers that are on the bubble that may or may not make their teams. And if they're dropped from their teams, we got to go out and get them, man. How about Tay Crowder? Tay, Tay Crowder is better than Deion Jones. Like He's better than a lot of these guys that are like available right now, which is... Uh, I, I haven't watched Deion Jones the last two. I know he's not rated highly like much, and there's a reason guys are free agents, but... Um, I also, with this linebacker conversation, this is something I'm starting to see that needs to be stopped. Stop saying inside linebacker two doesn't matter in Wink Martindale's defense. It's the whole, like, when Brian Dable came over and, like, Giants ran no uh, 10 personnel, but the Bills ran the second most 10 personnel in the NFL. It's like, yeah, it's 40 plays over two seasons. Like, yes, does Wink Martindale run more dime packages than anybody? Yes, but their second linebacker is on the field the majority of the game in almost every single game. I don't think there was any... Maybe the Panthers game, they didn't have uh, a second linebacker on the field the majority of the game. The second linebacker is on the field in a Wink Martindale's defense. They come off on third downs in some special situations, but they are on the field. It is an important position. Um, And this is where... Where when we're having conversations like this, this is like where you're like, man, th- 
as much as fun as last year's. This this team has ways to go. Like you're gonna have bad spots on this roster. Now I would rather have linebacker depth be more of an issue than correct. You know, that is than, the saving grace than, cer- than certain other positions. But you don't and, want it to be this bad because this is bad. It depends on how McFadden can grow and what Beavers is. But yeah, yeah. it's not. It's certainly not good. Um, and this is where when I you know talked about it after the draft, I was like, man, like yeah. Uh, go get your Deontay Banks, go get your Jalen Hyatt, but you're sacrificing some. And again, you you gave up a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick. That could have been your backup linebacker, your backup edge. And that's, I mean, those are the, that's where Mike McFadden and Darian Beavers were picked. So, um, but it is what it is for this year. It's not going to be a good, maybe one of these guys can pull through. And I do think McFadden will look a lot better next to O'Kara. Okay. So I, I'm not totally out on McFadden. Beavers, I really don't know what to tell you. He wasn't the most athletic guy. Now he's coming off the torn ACL, so it's a big I don't know with him. Um, so it's, but I'm hoping McFadden can surprise possibly. I mean, but, or yeah. if if you had to make a power ranking of guys that we cannot lose due to injury this year, it's Andrew Thomas number one, and you know he even got Tyrod Taylor backing up Daniel Jones. Is it Bobby Okereke number two? Maybe a Dory's up there. You could say no, a Dory. I'd, I'd put, I'd put, I'd still put Jones two after Thomas. I'd put but Jones. I mean, think, but I mean, think of like Tyrod Taylor is a capable backup versus Darian Beavers and Micah McFadden. If they're How linebacker one, three it's games like, are we talking? Because if we're talking about a, a long injury, I well, yeah, of course, I, I still if, put if, Daniel if, Jones a long, too. a long injury and your quarterback goes down, your season's over. So let's just say three, four games. Let's just remove Daniel Jones so we don't need to discuss value and shit. Um. Thomas, Andrew Thomas, Bobby Okereke, Adore Jackson. I'd put Adore over Bobby Okereke. I mean, we did it last year and we were fine. We lost Adore Jackson. We also didn't have any line. We had the worst linebacker core last but year. But we were fine. But we were fine, relatively fine against the pass when Adore Jackson went down. We were the worst run defense in the last, in the NFL last year. But now we have some defensive tackle depth, though. I don't know, but he's important. I, it's close. I, I, yeah, it's close. It's, uh, it's, it's important. Um, next question. Next question. I'm so very glad someone asked this next question. Bobby Okereke, stay healthy, and Giants Pro Personnel Department, go to work. That's the answer to the first question. Andrew Spagnolo. This is this is our guy. Andrew Spagnolo. Five. Uh, saw him in uh, Tennessee against the uh, Titans. Now that we have that report about Dable telling Wink what the offense is running, does that change how you view what you see in practice, or do we believe that was a one-season thing? So this is the Ty Dunn article that came out, you know, saying that, you know, uh, D- Brian Dable made the the practices so hard for Daniel Jones to see what he was made of and told Wink Martindale to play, stuff like that. And I got a few angles on this, and I'm glad we could talk about it before camp starts. One... I don't know if I fully believe that. I think he could have done that for a period or two, a day or two, but you're not going to convince me that they spent three weeks of camp. I'm like, ha ha, let's see how he, like, no, you want to install your offense and stuff like that. Um, now, the part that is true, which we talked about in training camp last year, it is very hard on an offense to practice against a Wink Martindale defense without game planning for that Wink Martindale defense because it's just... It's a defense that causes, like, you need to do special game plans for that defense, and that's where it's different. And Wink Martindale tends to wrench it up a little more in practice because there's no consequences. 
Um, so it's like you can put your guys in more islands and take more chances in practice. So that is where it is harder. So again, I don't I don't think they did that for all training camp. Might have done it for a practice or a period or two. I'd like to know on that. But here's where, even if it was for all of camp, I don't think they should do that because Daniel Jones' first two games were arguably his two worst games of the year, despite the fact that the Giants were winning. And what did we say after those two games? Not just like he played bad. It was the first time in his career that he not only played bad, but he just looked extremely uneasy and uncomfortable in the pocket. Like, really, it was the first time, like, this guy just does not look comfortable out on the field. And those were his two worst games of the year. I thought those were the two times he looked the worst. You can argue, like, the Eagles game was worse. But just, like, looked the worst. Like, wasn't playing with confidence. Glowinski is on a podcast and said something similar, too. Um, so, I don't think it worked. So, so I want to build some confidence. I want to run her off. So, it, I hope they don't do that this year. Because if if the the article was to prove that he was met, met with uh, for it and could deal with the QB two rumors and people clamoring for Tyrell Till, well, that's all over now. He signed a contract; he's here. So if it was for that purpose, you shouldn't be doing it. And I don't think it helps you get better and get ready for games either. No, and also the the Giants' offense itself was extremely different towards the start of the season, you know, and then as it went towards the end of the season, where. They were looking to throw the ball down the field. We've talked about it time and time again. They were looking to throw the ball down the field. They were running these deep concepts and trying to complete those deep concepts with Kenny Galladay, you know, Kadarius Toney going out there, uh, David Sills, Sterling Shepard early on too. So they were trying to do that, and then it didn't work. It it inevitably didn't work. Um, You know, bad wide receivers, Daniel Jones looking uncomfortable, Daniel Jones even just missing some open guys down the field, not being able to pull the trigger. That is like a pseudo little little fear going going into this year. Hopefully he is much more comfortable in this offense. It seems like he is. Yeah, we, we kind of do have to look out for how much is Wink Martindale stack in the box. Um, is, are, is, are there seven, eight, nine guys coming in on a nine guys is too much, you know, seven or eight guys coming in on a, on an all out blitz on a cover zero blitz. How often is that happening during camp or during team periods and stuff like that? So that is something to keep an eye out. And we talked about it there. We're like, this is hard for these offense to like, like whether, whether they knew the players or not, it's like, man, this is, this is, I, we were I was like, I don't know if this is beneficial for him to be like. Like, can, can Wink tone it down a little bit? Does he need to throw the sink at every play? Because they're trying to work on some concepts. And there are certain that, days where they did tone it down and the offense looked better. You know, I think there's it's got to have a happy medium in there. Where it's like, you, with the giant defense has to practice what they're going to practice. But, you know, they don't send these insane blitzes every, down in, down out. They're mostly done on third down. So maybe don't call defensive practice like every down is third and 11, Wink Martindale. And we were frustrated even in the mo- like you said we were we were frustrated in the moment and then in our post practice live streams I don't I don't think we were having like substantial takeaways we were just like dude they're blitzing they're blitzing so mess, freaking yeah. much it's 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 a the offense is a mess and you know we were sitting there saying out oh, is it a mess because of Wink Martindale or is it a mess because it's actually a mess um, but I do it, it's still valuable to go up against an aggressive defense I feel it gets yes, the offensive but, lines ready you know yeah. it, it even though there's no consequences for the quarterback. Because the quarterback isn't sacked, you can't touch the quarterback. Um, you know, I think still the consequences. You know, in your brain that the play ends. Like, oh shit, I just got sacked here. The, yeah. So the play, the play is over, even though there's not a consequence of getting hit. So we did a good job of keeping out. It's not going to like change the. It's not going to make me not want to go to practice, or it's not going to make me not get excited for a Giants practice or a team period. Um, you just got to keep your mind open with with that kind of stuff and know what's going on the average depth i i think i'm actually i'm gonna try and not track like every single ball 
but I am going to try and track, like, at, at least relatively in my brain, like, the average depth of target of how many throws take place maybe between, you know, 0 to 5, 0 to 9 yards, 10 to 19, and then 20 plus. I do want to try and maybe keep track of that kind of stuff um, through through camp, loosely. Yeah, I'm looking for, I remember, damn, I can't find the tweet. I, it's, I remember I, I talked about this in... All right, give me give me fifteen seconds to find. I'll give you fifteen like, seconds, and I and I want to keep track of that average depth of target stuff because last year they were, even in camp, they were trying to throw the ball down the field, and that's how they started the season last year. It's not how they ended it, but it is how they started the season. And good for this coaching staff adjusting. That's why we like this coaching staff. That was your fifteen seconds. I think there's a couple more seconds on the clock. You think there's a couple more seconds on the clock? Um, well, I'm out of talking points. I'm really excited for Giants practice. We got our tickets. Get your tickets. Come say hi to us. Film the practice and then get yelled at. I can't find it. Whatever. Oh, no. It was bad. Anyways, it's not that big a deal. All well, right. What, what um, was it about, relatively? It was talking about this that dynamic of the practices. Oh. Like, at some point, do they die? Like, tell Wink Martindale to dial it down a little back? Um, you know, so it was because it was, yeah. Because um, it was, yeah. It's like you don't want the offense checking down every single play, which is like what you're supposed to do or, you know, throwing quick passes for that defense, which is like you want to work on some of these concepts and it's very hard to do it against what this defense is throwing at them. Uh, right. Bobby Skinner. Next question is coming from Nico Risen. Read an ad. Right, now that we're in the thick of the summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. I know I have been, you know, trying to eat healthy, go to the gym, get some sun. Factor. American's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up uh, fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. So they sent us some, Justin. Yeah. Some pretty good stuff. They had this, like, like uh, you know, chicken breast with this, like, goat cheese thing. I mean, it was really – and I'm a big goat cheese guy. I mean, it was really good. It was only, like, 520 calories. Like, that's what I had for dinner last night. Um, you know, this pasta thing there. So there's some really good stuff. And it's like at, at max was like 700 calories, like a, a veggie, uh, vegetarian chili, which was surprisingly good. So, and again, it's easy. So like you're busy with summer plans, you know, you don't want to be cooking full course meals. It gets hot. Um, but you want to eat healthy and don't want to eat, you know, you know, garbage. Like this is what you need. Like, you know, they skip the extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up mm. while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need also it's never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes so all you have to do is heat and enjoy then go back outside and soak up the warm weather so they're gonna they're gonna send it to you and they're not gonna freeze it we offer delicious flavor pack options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to calorie smart vegan plus veggie and protein plus prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long Head to factormeals.com slash giants50 and use code giants50 to get 50% off. Wow, that's an amazing deal. That's code giants50 at factormeals.com slash giants50 to get 50% off. You'll be glad you did. You'll certainly be glad you did. 50% off. It's pretty freaking cool. Might I be really the best love code we've ever had. Really? Um, I really love that my fridge is like stacked up, which is easy to make meals right now. So thank you to Factor. You'll be glad you did. Um, or Martin at Or Martin 866. What position group has the highest ceiling this year, but also 
the lowest floor. To me, it's easily the offensive line. I 100% agree. So you have Andrew Thomas, who is good. We now have two young players in Evan Neal and John Michael Smiths, whose projections aren't project. Their projections are be good football players. One taken seventh overall, one taken in the second round, but you know, this, you know, age dropped them back a little bit. But it's like my projections for both of those players were to be really good football players, right? You got uh, a young guy who's got the athleticism in Josh Azudu. You got Ben Bredesen who's got at least a decent, uh, you know, he's at least like a, you know, a, a slightly above average player at worst. Um, so that could be, we could have a really good off. Like it would be so amazing to have just a really good offensive line. If Evan Neal takes that jump in year two, John Michael Smith comes out good out of the gate, which if there's one rookie position on the offensive line, you see it happen. It, it, it is center. Uh, especially he's 24 years old. So he's not 21, 22. So he should be a little more developed. So there's that. But the floor part of it is Evan Neal could be just as bad as last year and just be a bust, right? John Michael Smith may not be good in the NFL. We haven't seen him take a snap. Josh Azudu could not develop at all. And then we are stuck with a bad offensive line again with Andrew Thomas uh, being good. Yeah, even outside of the starters, Bobby, um, you know, you mentioned Josh Azudu and Ben Bredesen. One of those guys is not going to start. So you're going to have – it's. I'll save it for the Camp Battles pod. I haven't fully thought about it yet. But let's just say Josh Azudu draft pick projection – you know, third round pick, you start. Ben Bredesen, you're this, you know, Swiss Army Knife center slash guard that can kind of go anywhere, do anything, and you can fill in a, you know, in a pinch and be more than fine. We saw that last year. Shane Lemieux in years past is a guy that we've relied on. And, you know, if this is, you know, even if Shane Lemieux is coming off of two season ending injuries the last two years, I feel like in years past, we would still be relying on Shane Lemieux to possibly start somewhere, whether that be at guard at center. So that would be a big you know, unknown. Instead, Shane Lemieux is straight up depth, and we're not even sure if he's even going to make the 53-man roster. Then you have Tyree Phillips, who's like the swing tackle, not the ideal swing tackle, but still has this guard tackle versatility, and he's done it before, and he started in the, in the NFL before, played last year, and he wasn't horrible, and he wasn't a straight-up disaster. So that's like the plus side of the offensive line, where you know even if one guy does go down during the season, it hopefully shouldn't tank shouldn't tank the whole line. It shouldn't tank the whole unit. In fact, there shouldn't be even be that much of a drop-off in the in, amongst the interior guys. If any of the interior guys, hell, if Mark Lewinsky go de- goes down and Bed Bredesen starts at right guard, offensive line may even get better. So that's where I feel like they're, they're, you know, the ceiling is. But the floor, like you said, is you know Mark Lewinsky is starting, and the Giants are stubborn again, and he's one of the worst pass blocking offensive line, you know, offensive lineman or you know, interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Evan Neal doesn't take that step, and we're kind of stuck in this purgatory at left guard. Yeah, so it's I, th- I thought that was a good question because like oh wow the, it's it is the offensive line, line. Yeah. which it kind of hit me for the first time like yeah we're used to battle like. There could be a chance that we have a good offensive line this year. How sick yep. it would be the first it would be his first time in so long. Like Evan Neal, please God be good. Please be good. John Michael Smith, be everything that I expect you to be. Because we we're cooking. We're back. Like it's it's freaking two thousand seven and eight again, all over again. We all have a good offensive line, boys and girls. Offense gets so much easier. When those guys are doing what they have to do. It allows you to do so much more in the passing game. Obviously, the running game, it makes like it is the difference of being good and bad. 
um, you know, it allows you to use Saquon Barkley more if you want to, right? Where it's like, hey, stop forcing the ball to Saquon Barkley. The offensive line is making this stupid to do. Um, the Eagles, if they wanted to, now I recognize Jalen Hurts is really strong and, you know, you can squat like 600 pounds, whatever. The Eagles, if they really wanted to against a bad defensive line unit, they could QB sneak the entire field. <laughs> they need to make that play illegal. And it's not be me being salty. That used to be illegal. You used to not be able to push the quarterback. They changed that rule not for the... The rule used to be like that for that purpose, for plays like that. But then they changed it because they didn't want to have to enforce it when a guy's downfield and someone comes and like pushes him from behind. But they, I think they need to really. I don't. I can't believe they didn't make that rule illegal. It's like it used. To, it's not like it's not unprecedented. It used to be illegal to do that, like less than ten years ago, I think. But Fuck only one team in the NFL really does it that well, and they well, do so, it, it's, and it's partially because they have a very, very good offensive line. I hate it. All right. Um. Next question. Next question. Next question is coming from John, JB the hippie. There we go. What jersey numbers should be retired by the Giants but aren't? I am adamantly passionate about this question. There's only one. There could be two, but there is one. Only one. Definite. I think to Ring of Honor, you don't need to be a Hall of Fame or anything. To have your jersey retired for the New York Giants, unless we are some, you know, bum team that, you know, doesn't have any history. For the New York Giants, especially with the amount of jerseys they have retired, you have to be a Hall of Famer. So Harry Carson, number 53. That's the only jersey I, I want retired. There's another answer. Only one I could argue would be maybe Banks. But then you're running out of numbers in the no, 50s. No. You're, you're, there's one you're, you're, you're going to be like, oh, that's that's totally true when I say it. And I was shocked to see that his number is not retired. Because I've gone my – it's like a Mandela effect. I've gone my you know entire kind of Giants little content life, you know my even my Bleeding Blue days, thinking that this number was retired. Emlyn Tennell's number 45 is not retired. He was the first African-American player for the Giants. I believe he was also like a war vet. And how good of a he, football player was he, though? He was he was like Deion Sanders before Deion Sanders. Was like, he? Yes. Like he let leading. How do you pronounce his name or spell em, his name? Emlyn Tennell. Uh, uh, E-M-L-E-N-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. -L. He is a Hall of Famer. Tunnel. Tuna. He was a giant from 1950 to 1950. Well, no, excuse me. And he he's a, a Hall of from, Famer? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, then yeah, him too. He's a, he's a pro bowler one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. He's an oh, AP yeah. first All-American. First All-American. He's an AP first All-team um, one, two, three, four times in his career. Um, he has how many career interceptions? He has 79 career interceptions, 74 of them with the Giants, four touchdowns. Um, and punt returns, he has five, he has a total of six special teams touchdowns, five punt returns. Like, he was Deion Sanders before Deion Sanders was out there. Yeah, so, Emlyn Tennell's no, and I think it's, like, I also did put down Harry Carson, you know, Hall of Famer, but I think Emlyn Tennell's just on a totally different level. Yeah, I agree. Now especially also for the, uh, you know, for the impact that he had kind of off the field, too, for being, you know, the first African-American player for the Giants. Yeah, and I haven't seen his resume. And he, he died a long time ago, 48 years ago. See, I didn't even look at people in that era because they retired so many. Yeah, retire retire freaking Emlyn uh, Tunnett. I'm going to use him for uh, the countdown. Yes, please. Please do. 
I think I think uh, there there may I, I would feel bad if there isn't. There's probably uh, a bleeding blue video or two of Emlyn Tanell out there. If there's not, then that's really bad on me. Write that down so I can look at it after. All right, next question. Next question coming from Mark Breer at MJ Breer. What's a reason for optimism for this season? And then flip side, what is a reason for pessimism? Doug Analytics said, how good of a veteran was he? Um, funny Sorry. question. Um, so, I don't want to like go into deep, deep detail on this question. But it's just a nice thing to get these thoughts out before training camp starts. Optimism. I mean, you're a winning team returning the majority of your pieces, and then you have the upgrades of Bobby O'Karake, Darren Waller. And then also, you have a new draft class, which hopefully we get some early contributors out of that. But also, you have last year's draft class, which didn't really have many early contributors. Hopefully, they can take some year two jumps. You know, Kayvon was a good contributor, but hey, take a year two jump. Bellinger, obviously, was the other one, but Evan Neal was bad. Seventh overall pick. Wandale, you know, missed, you know... uh, 11 out of the 17 games you know maybe belton can uh come up and and have a good role so one of the lines so getting some contributors so those are for my reasons for optimism yes similar but it's just said in a different way this roster is a lot more complete it's not final it's not a super bowl roster but it just has a lot more names on it where it's like yeah i can see this guy contributing where we had questions about Kenny Galladay we had questions about Kadarius Tony you know there are guys on this roster now that you know we can easily way easily see their role this you know we I think you did the tweet the other day there are now you know way you know substantially more Joe Shane players than Dave Gettleman players left on the roster um so it's part of it that's inevitably part of it this roster is more complete way more complete than what it was last year it has less holes the biggest reason for pessimism is this, and this is what sticks out in my head. On paper, we are clearly the third best team in our own division. Yeah. Like the Eagles are better than the New York Giants, and the Cowboys are a better team on paper right now than the Giants. Now they have bad coaching, and there could be some things, but they got better this offseason. You know, they added Gilmore. I think Brandon Cooks is one of the more underrated additions of the offseason for the Cowboys through Dak's flaws having that second wide receiver makes it really does help him so that is that is my biggest word my second one is just Evan Neal could be bad yeah is there any other other ones you had that like kind of stick out in your mind other teams figuring out the offense and if they don't feel comfortable that Daniel Jones can take that next step and push the ball down the field more and utilize that and read whatever he needs to read and recognize. And they need to kind of continue the same, you know, kind of play action boot and everything's in front of you, Daniel Jones offense, which it isn't bad, but it started to get figured out. And the Eagles clearly had it figured out and other teams will follow suit because the NFL is smart. Um, And this is the second year, you know, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are back together. So it's not like with the new OC with any kind of new wrinkles he may add. This is the same system. So I'm worried about other teams maybe figuring that out a little bit. Mine is actually, my other one is actually kind of opposite of that, where it's like, could they be less effective trying to run a different offense instead of teams figuring out the, I guess it's part of what you're saying, but it's more like, can it, will they, could they be less effective doing that? Which I don't think they will be. Um, no, I don't. I don't think. But it is an unknown. 
I don't think they're just going to scrap everything from last year. I think I think the offense last year is the offense that they're going to run. You know? I mean, there's a lot of elements of it, but basically they just didn't have a drop back. Let's attack multiple areas of the field offense last year. Partly because of Evan Neal, partly because of receivers. We'll see how much of that was Jones, but it's, there's a lot of reasons. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Jesse Samino. What regular season games are you, one, most concerned about, two, least concerned about, and three, most excited for? So we'll start off with what are we most concerned about? Week one at Dallas. I feel like that game is just a game you got to win, man. Like one, starting off 1-0 is so much different than starting off 0-1. And like I talked about in the pessimists, let's let's not get swept by the, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Like I, I you got to get one versus Dallas. You got week one at home. You Set have some element of surprise. That this is a game I'm most worried about. Set the tone for the season. I, I've I've said it you know over and over, and I'm going to continue to say it this summer. Um, you know, that's the game I'm most excited for. Um, I'll split. I I'm going to split it with another one, but I know it's kind of like maybe cliche cop out. It's not a. I'm I'm genuinely most excited for week one to 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 play Dallas on a national stage Sunday night football at home, not even in Jerry World at home. What is your most concern then? 49ers. I know there's going to be quarterback questions there, but just the way that Shanahan runs that offense, I mean he he is going to feast on the fact that. We do not have very good linebacker play. Um, you know, even even you know he's gonna what he's gonna do is he's gonna put more tight ends and more fullbacks on the field. So we have to put two linebackers on the field, and then he's gonna target the second interior linebacker that's on the field. That's what he's gonna do, and he's gonna do it over and over again. And if Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams come on the field, come off the field, if there's any liability with Ashawn Robinson or, or Nacho. He's gonna attack that too. He's gonna attack. Actually, the you know play. I was actually looking at some data. The play action was not as effective for Shanahan last year as the regular drop back passing stuff. They're going to use Debo. They're going to, they're going to use Ayuk in ways that, Hey, they're going to put them on any kind of weak corners that we have, you know, the uh, Deontay banks, get ready, man. You're, you're, you're going to be targeted a little bit and put in spots that are uncomfortable because Kyle Shanahan, that's just what he's good at. He's good at targeting what, what you're bad at. And if we don't win week one against Dallas, you know, obviously expected to win against the Cardinals could be starting the season out one and two. That's not ideal, and especially in the way that we could maybe lose that that 49er game uh, on a short week is not great. You're muted. Cardinals is the least concerned I'm about. Here's Correct. the thing I'm is if the, same thing. the 49ers, I don't think there's any shame in losing to the 49ers. I think the way in which you lose a game does matter, though, especially maybe early on in the year. Um, and game I'm most excited for? This is going to sound a little corny, but Lions preseason week one, the next game. Like, I am very excited for that. Um, Aaron Boone gave a very similar type of answer on the latest Talking Yanks episode. Um, just just look at uh, – I'm, I'm getting ready for Friday against the Rockies. Fire Aaron Boone. Whoa. And Brian Cashman. Wow. What are you uh, – What are you? so you're most excited for the Lions preseason game? Yeah. I'm also very excited for the Jets. Like I, I am Jet Jets and Cowboys this year, are the two home games that I'm like, let's freaking go. I, I I want I not only want to win them, I need to win them. Regular season I would say the Patriots because one I'll be there. True. 
And then two is the return of Joe Judge, baby. Return Gotta be Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. Not gonna, gonna lose him? to Joe Judge. Huh? We gonna meet him? I might see him. I've already met him, Justin. I have not met him. No, we're not gonna meet him. Oh, tough. Um, maybe we'll run, run a lap in the parking lot to get people to. Dude, I'm telling you, to running a lap before that game to say no, we don't have to run a lap, just have six seconds of us all running. Like to honor Joe Judge's time here as a giant would be so funny to see people lose their mind on social media. Like it's kind of worth it. All right, I'm gonna ask qu- Joe Judge to the Candlewick Diner. Next question. Next question. Can I read another hat? And oh boy, Nico Ryzen, I certainly can because Bird Dogs they're sponsoring today's episode and they make me feel good. They make me look good. They make me feel good inside. They make me feel good outside. And all of the above, everything that could apply about good in the world. Bird Dogs brings to me, and they bring it to my tush. They bring it to my backside. They make me look good, um, like I said. um, And I think something that's very unique. Currently, my washer is working, but my dryer is not working. So I am extremely behind on laundry. So I got to admit, I've been going into the pile I've been doing a little bit of a of a Febreze spray, but I may not even need a Febreze spray with my bird dog shorts because they have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps me cool and dry all day long. So even if I got to reuse a pair of bird dogs, it's cool, it's fine, it's all good. I want you to go to birddogs.com slash giants. Enter promo code giants for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. So guess what? Go to the beach. Put some bird dogs on, and then you'll have a free Yeti style tumbler with your order when you go to birddogs.com slash giants for promo code giants for a free Yeti style tumbler today. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Um, next question is coming from Austin Anika at Austin uh, at Austin Aniqua QWERTY. Um, what is one player? You see their production going from backup slash special teams to actual meaningful snaps later in the season. Javarius Owens, man. I'm a Javarius Owens guy. There's no clear front uh, front runner for that safety position. I like Javarius Owens. And, hey, we know they like to run some three safety sets, so he a third safety should get on the field for a decent amount of chunk of snaps throughout the year. Seventh-round pick out of Houston. I'm a, I'm a Javarius Owens guy. I really, really like him. I'm really surprised you didn't say this player, Deontay Johnson. He was the only other one. Um there's really not many much, very many candidates in this, and you're talk, unless you're talking about like backups who are battling for a job in camp. Yeah, I was gonna um, say like Ben Bredesen could easily, yeah. you know, go from not starting week one to taking over for either Azudu or Golinski, and that's simply not even based on injury; that's on performance. Yeah, um, but yeah, Deontay. John, I wrote down sl- Javarius Owens slash Deontay. John, I mean, G- we always talk about every year the linebacker depth gets tested every single year. Um, could you? So- could uh, this is the wide receiver room is so interesting where part of me also went like Jamison Crowder slash like Jeff Smith, but I'm going to say Jamison Crowder. Yeah. Crowder is, could be a good answer there. Um, you know, we're, you know, they're working out Cole Beasley. Uh, I can't remember what day, but they are working out Cole Beasley, which is so funny. Cause like we, it's like, yes, we do have four slot wide receivers, but all of them are injury prone. Is, th- are the giants working out Cole Beasley or is Cole Beasley working out? The Giants are, but the, here's the thing: is that workouts happen a lot more than people realize, and it's just okay. kind of like seeing how you are in case, like you know, it could just be like in case like you're needed. But like throughout camp, there's always random guys working out and stuff. 
Next question. This is our last question. Tim at NYG Tim. If the Giants were to make another Blake Martinez level cut at the end of training camp, who are a few a few names to watch out for? I want to say this before we answer the question. Um, this is this is a good question, but the Blake Martinez cut last year was at the moment it happened. You know, now it makes sense he wasn't fully in it. You know, Blake Martinez was not in it and in, like fully invested in football. I guess we finally got some information after the season about. But at it, the time, it, it was, was like. like they just cut a starter. <laughs> well, that was the most frustrating thing is when that happened. I was like, can we figure out what happened? And people are like, they just want to play the youth. Like, I swear to God, I promise you, they are not cutting Blake Martinez to play Tay Crowder. They're not doing that. They didn't they're like, cut. They're like, well, they, they, they were going to start Darren Beavers. Well, Darren Beavers has his ACL. Like, it was like, we're fine. So there was bad blood from both, you know, yeah. He wink and him just didn't get along very good, and I think there's probably blame on both sides for that. Um, they cut the a I, starter on the, the position I, group that was most depleted on I, the I'm, team. Here's one reason I'm glad we won last year, besides the fact of just winning, is we don't. Every move doesn't get explained. Be like, it's not about this year. It's not about this year. It's like, no, it actually is a little bit about this year. This year. Um. All right, but let's but let's answer the question so, anyway. I don't want to do surprise cuts and be like Donnie Holmes. I actually want to throw one out here, and, and I think we actually talked about this on a couple of mailbags ago, and someone texted me about it. Matt Breida could be one. Like oh. if they like Eric Gray, Saquon Barkley's in camp, and they want Eric Gray to be RB two, and you know they don't necessarily want to keep Breida around as RB three and just go with Corbin or somebody, that could be a, a surprise one. And, th- and and when people are like they're not going to cut Brita again, I don't think so. But we're talking su- like surprises are surprises. But we also talked about it in a previous podcast. Year two of a regime is a lot more predictable than year one when it comes to cut downs and stuff. I would rather have Matt Brita on the roster over Gary Brightwell, but I recognize well, me that 100% maybe too. But I recognize that Gary Brightwell may do special teams things that are valuable. Again, we're um, talking surprises, even though he's. A bad returner. Um, stop having Gary Brightwell return kicks. He's slow. Um, now, doesn't I break was going. Either. I was. Yeah, he doesn't break. T- I was going with like, hey, Blake Martinez level cut. That like shocked me. Right. That was a very shocking cut. Blake not Martinez. Not for the was, reporters. They knew all along. Yeah, yeah. They, they, no, not not shocked here. Okay. <laughs> um. I have th- th- this is not happening, but again, I'm I'm going based off of the question that Blake Martinez levels level cut. Mark Lewinsky or Ben Bredesen? Bredesen would be like impossible. Lewinsky came, uh, came across my head, but it's just like doesn't it doesn't make sense, and they're not going to do it. But yeah, that would be because that they would signed be the, him. They signed him. If Dave, yeah. if Mark Lewinsky was the same exact player on the same exact contract, but Gettleman brought him in, I could see it. But they signed him where I, I can't see it happening. It's like, oh, what if they want to keep and and Marcus McKeithen on the roster? You know, they, I don't, I wouldn't agree with it. But that would be the level, the level of cut that shocked me, like Blake Martinez, like Mark Lewinsky, Ben Bredesen. Um, I also, you know, Sterling Shepard. We've talked about it, but I've kind of, I kind of have calmed down on thinking that Sterling Shepard is. I don't think Sterling Shepard's going anywhere. No, he's going to be on the roster one way or the other. A couple weeks but ago when just, we did our 53-man roster prediction, I was like, ah, he may not be on the roster. But then we heard from like 
reporters and stuff like yeah he's not going anywhere so well also part of the 53 man roster is like we are assuming everyone makes it through camp healthy and we got to watch your room full of guys that don't um and it's just one way or another he's going to be on the roster yeah it'll probably be on the pup or ir at some point <laughs> sorry hopefully that's, never on the pup hopefully tough. never on the ir but i, th- I think he's going to be ready to go week day one of camp all right uh that's it so, that's it oh one other thing news giants changed the logo oh, I, I actually wrote that down uh for it so yeah that was um surprising that was like that was more surprising than them changing the turf like that's been there forever who do you think decided that do you think that was like a joe shane like we got to get with the times and put a logo no, on the field? i don't think they just de- i don't think they decided that i i don't i think what now but who's I think making they, these decisions but i i think that they're able to like you know, like in Arizona, how they're able to roll out the field and then put it back? I think they're able to do that with this field. So are the Jets and the Giants going to have, like, two different playing surfaces? Or are they just going to paint over the the midfield logo? That's actually something that I want to know. Are the Giants and the Jets going to have two different playing surfaces? Because that's why I don't think they changed the logo initially. They obviously just could have painted or do whatever, change the turf every week. They can change the logo and stuff. But I wonder I mean, if they, they do have that two different playing surfaces. But I wonder if they have two different playing surfaces. Since it's but they state... changed end zone art with yeah, yeah, in the they're, past. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to. I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was. I, I don't think. The, it's I wonder what the Jets are going to do. I think it's going to be the same surface. I'm pretty confident that they just there's a way to paint and get that paint off. No, I because they do. I, I, I mean, they do. They change the end zones every single week. I agree. That was just a, a, a random thought that came running through the brain. Um, it, but what will be interesting is see if the Jets do it as well too. Will the yes. Jets be like stand strong? Like, no, we're going with the NFL logo. I kind of don't like the the white background behind the blue logo because that that's not the Giants logo. Like the Giants logo is not like it's you know like it's a white stroke around the blue logo that is the Giants, and that's not in my brain. I don't. That's not the Giants logo. That's something different. It it, so, it was like really like it popped out to the eye like whoa that that is very like that that was really surprising like that was diff this is this actually is really really different so but cool to see the Giants to be honest I don't give a shit like I, the NFL logo being there never bothered me I I, I love I now realize that I love the NFL logo being there mm, old man take I appreciate it old man yep I was told don't be a boomer today on online so. All right. Well, we appreciate all of you. We'll be back on Tuesday. So I'm thinking, Justin, we should do Monday's podcast live. Is this Camp Battles? Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. We can do that. I was thinking maybe we do it live, but obviously it'll be on the podcast apps and everything, too. So we'll see you when we see you. Next time we're talking, we will have resolution on what Saquon Barkley. So we'll see you then. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go Big Blue.